0: All right. So I just want to um, just reiterate this idea uh, when we're talking about uh, what the Lord, you know, who Jesus was. And uh, and even in the context, I just want to reiterate, there were five life buckets. So uh, buckets of living where uh, we can be successful and more successful. But also just understand that God has a say. Um, he's got a way for us to conduct ourselves when it comes to our Our spiritual lives, our professional lives, our financial lives, our relational lives. And the other one just blanked out on me, but we're not covering it today. So I'm just going to leave it out there. If you remember, type it in there. It might come back to me later. But I don't want to waste time on my ticking timer. I try to honor that Um, while we're in this space. I can't guarantee, you know, and not even trying to guarantee a one hour service experience once we're back in person. No, sir. No, ma'am. I'm just not trying to do it. (laughs) So I just want to open up with this thought. Um, Pursuing healthy relationships, healthy relationships, relational life. It's spiritual. Um, It's essential for kingdom life. The pursuit of healthy relationships is essential for kingdom life. Healthy relationships, okay? Healthy relationships, not just relationships. Sometimes we get so lonely that we just want relationship. We just want connection. We just want to Feel somebody. We just want somebody to hear us and laugh at our jokes and make us feel good about ourselves. It's not just that. Sometimes we just want somebody to be with us in our mess or be with us when we're down or cheer for us when we're up. And those things are cool, but it's not just about that. It's about healthy and whole relationships. Because if you're going to treat yourself right, you need to make sure that the way that you interact with people, the way you engage with people, has a proper foundation. We talked about that earlier in the year, uh, a, a, a series that. Minister Rashid and I tag team um, called, uh, you have to look it up. It's something about building. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and I forgot it, but it's uh, probably the February series. Um, And it's in this messages are all on YouTube and on our Facebook page because we don't delete the messages, but it'll probably be easier to find it on YouTube. Um, And so. We're, we're back in this relational block, and I think it's extremely important to understand that we're not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about relationship, period. People are relational. You know, you've got sibling-like relationships you actually have. Siblings, you may have brothers and sisters. I got brothers and sisters. Uh, we may have um, cousins and, and friends and acquaintances and mentors and mentees and, and you know, all All of those are relationships, even boss and uh, employee or owner or supervisor or director and and the steps down or manager, Uh, employee, trainee. Those are all relationships. Um, Apprentice. Right. Those are all relationships. And so we want healthy relationships. It's essential to kingdom living. Um, And this template for kingdom life. It was laid out best by our big brother, big brother number one, Jesus the Christ, Yahshua Hamashiach. And so when we look at Jesus, when we look at his life, um, when we, when not just us, when the whole church, like everybody that's come after him and even everybody that was looking ahead to him, when we look at the history of the church and the people of the church, we see that people that love the Lord have been trying to walk out this Pattern this template that was laid out by the life of Christ. Uh, We even see it in some of the letters, as well, we of course, especially see it in some of the letters um, that we call epistles that were written to the churches by Paul, um, James, Peter, John, etc. And so, I'm going to a specific one, I'm going to First Thessalonians. I'm going to the end of First Thessalonians. Um, Thessalonians is a letter, the first letter we have written to the church at Thessalonica. Um, Thessalonica kind of at the close of this letter, um, it kind of gives us a picture or idea of how to live this relational life, And but it's not going to be the, where we end the scripture. This is just going to kind of be a, a, a kind of like a, what what is that? Like a drop, like the salt just, like we're just seasoning the, the idea a little bit before we get into looking at Jesus's life itself um, and his relational life, um, because I want to make sure that we understand the blessings of boundaries, uh, and so When we look at Thessalonica, the city, I just want to be clear that it is a prominent city in Macedonia. And Macedonia... And and Thessalonica is a a naval and commercial center where, you know, shipping was done and trade was done. And honestly, you know, in some ways like that, it it mirrors Jacksonville. Jacksonville is a naval and commercial center. Like stuff flows in and out of Jacksonville. Um, It is a prominent city in Florida. I know some people, there are other cities and, you know, people from Jacksonville don't necessarily think Jacksonville is a big deal. But Jacksonville is a big city with a lot of people and a whole lot of space and so I want us to understand like we in some ways mirror uh you know we have there's some parallels between Jacksonville Florida and Thessalonica um the church was established there by the apostle Paul um theologians historians believe in his second missionary journey and I believe they said that that's in uh you can see the evidence of it in around Acts chapter 17 um I believe so. But they left because the Apostle Paul was just that he was a sent one. And so he left his home and continued going from place to place, establishing the church, uh, planting the church, planting people in the church and then going on to do a new work. Okay, Uh, a different type of apostle than, say, those that were based in the, the church in Jerusalem. They were staying there until, of course, persecution came and split them up into so they had to flee. But um. Paul is moving through Gentile cities. And so there's a church that's established there. And after he's left, he gets word from the church that they're suffering persecution because they're Christians. Um, they're being persecuted by Jews. They're being persecuted by pagans that believe in different Greek religious uh, have, um, Greek religious gods and Roman religious gods and all of that. And so they are wrestling with. The people of Thessalonica are wrestling with living out Christ-like values in a society that doesn't value Christ. And that's another parallel, right? That is something that we wrestle with. If you're a sincere believer, you wrestle with being a liar, being a fornicator, being an adulterer, you know, and, and going back to having those thoughts, being somebody that's evil, mean, gossipy fight, you know, dissension, like those things are things, if we're sincere believers, we wrestle with them, not, we're not delivered from every single issue because we won't be perfected completely until we meet Jesus face to face, but in this life, as we're being sanctified, those are things we wrestle with, okay, and so they're wrestling with living a Christian life among pagan behavior, pagan beliefs non-Christ like, don't believe in Jesus, don't believe God is who he says he is, don't believe the Bible, um, believe anything other than that, and, and don't want to be held to the standard that you think, because you think that you better all of that kind of persecution was going on. And they were wrestling at the the need to stand out and how they do that. They wrestle with their faith. And so as they're wrestling because they're wrestling with their faith, this letter is written to reassure them and give them some course correction, some guidance. And so in this, at the very end in chapter five, what we get is some basic relational information and instructions. And if we adhere to these, if we follow through, if we listen, good Lord, if we listen, how many of y'all got a if I listened testimony? Amen. If you listen to so-and-so, you would have never gone through this. If you had just listened to your mama, if you had just listened to that teacher and focused on your studies, you would have been able to go to this blog. Go to college. If you would just listened to the person that was in the place that you wanted to get to, they were already running the business, but you thought you could do it a different way, and now you're struggling. Like if you had just listened to the older married couple that was trying to drop wisdom on you, but you didn't want to hear it, and so now you're struggling in your own relationships. If we had just listened, if you just listen to the person who was struggling with the health and saying, "Don't do it like I did it. And now I'm, you know, hurting and on all these pills and." if we had just listened, amen if we had just listen just listening is a form of self-love it's a form of treat you right if we would just listen and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna just listen to a few verses in first thessalonians chapter 5 i'm gonna start with verse 9 and read through verse 15 verse 9 through verse 15. And I'm going to kind of just give you a few nuggets of what is being spoken of before we jump into looking exactly at Christ's life. And so in 1st Thessalonians chapter 5, he's closing down the letter and he gets to verse 9 and he says, "For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ." He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, alive or dead, we may live together with him. Okay. so the foundation of relational excellence, the foundation of relational practice is that Christ died for our salvation, but not just our salvation. Christ died for our salvation and for our communion with him. What's communion? Communion is coming together. I know we, you know, we call it the Lord's Supper and we, we take the, the, the unleavened bread and we take the wine that is grape juice and we tear it out a little plastic and we drink it and all of that. I know. But when you talk about what communion actually is, communion is coming together. And so it's teaching us here in verse nine and ten that this foundation for relationship as believers is that Christ died for Our redemption for us to be brought back into good standing with the Lord and then to commune and have relationship with him. And so understand that there's a lot of stuff spiritually that is on the other side of sincere salvation. And So just in case there's anybody here that is watching this or listening to this podcast and you have never made a commitment that Christ is your Lord. You've never spoken it and meant it with with the truth inside your heart and you've never submitted your life. In god's hands and given your life surrendered your life in god's hands let's pray that right now say lord i recognize i am a sinner forgive me i believe jesus christ is the son of god crucified for my sins raised on the third day with all power for the forgiveness of sin i pray For my salvation, I pray, Lord, welcome me into your family. I pray, Lord, lead me in your path of righteousness for your name's sake. In Christ's name, amen. Now, this is a if you meant it when you said it type deal. I mean, it's a if you meant meant it when you said it, then it's real. If you didn't mean it when you said it it's not this isn't like acting class like you can't convince me it's got to be real with you and god okay and so for the saved if you did it if you if you just became what with what's called saved if you just received salvation then the angels in heaven are rejoicing and i rejoice with you because all of this stuff will be able to apply sincerely to you sincerely to you all right so the basis Um, relationally as Christ died for salvation and communion moving on in verse 11 it teaches therefore because of salvation and communion therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing so he is acknowledging I know y'all are having it rough continue building each other up continue loving each other just like y'all been doing don't give up doing what you're supposed to do the word teaches in another place. Don't get weary and well doing. Don't get tired of encouraging each other. Don't get lazy and become a hermit just because it's covid. Find a way to gather. Find a way to get with. Find a way to get on the phone with on a FaceTime. Find a way to encourage one another. All right. That's 11. First, 12 and 13. It says, now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you. Who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Now, about to get in trouble here for a second, but this is about the relationship among believers. Well, among believers, the Lord has pulled out those who would serve as priests in the Christian community, and we refer to them as pastors, elders, ministers, bishops, etc. And, and so what he's saying is acknowledge your spiritual leaders. This is what Paul is teaching. Acknowledge your spiritual leaders. Hold them in highest honor. Uh, as it says here, again, acknowledge them, those that work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work because of the work to pray for your soul because of the work to teach you the word because of the work to correct you and guide you because of the work to to mourn with you to to celebrate with you because of that work our spiritual leaders are to be honored it's a uh, pastor appreciation month and so I want to take just a brief second the briefest of seconds to publicly honor two spiritual leaders in my life Um, Bishop George Davis, who is the pastor of Impact Church here in Jacksonville, large ministry, heavily impactful ministry, loving man of God, who uh, mentors me and allows me to be a part of the Impact Network. And their church gave a substantial donation toward our build fund. I thank God for the heart he has, not just for his ministry, but for the ministry. And then uh, Pastor Tommy Colonen. Who I was joking with this the other day, is said he's kind of like Porto Grecian. His wife is Puerto Rican, he's Greek and some other stuff. But he's the pastor of Crossover Church in Tampa. And Crossover Church. Uh, they are a church that is steeped in urban and hip-hop culture and have been for decades and our you know cultural leaders in that way just had a huge festival flavor fest for urban ministry development and Christian hip-hop it's awesome I would have loved to go I had to check in streaming because I had stuff and I just wasn't able to get there this time um, I plan on being there next year when they do it but uh, pastor Tommy has been a faithful um Just leader, just an ear. Um, Somebody who's compassionate, cares about us. um, And and crossover church also donated a substantial amount of money toward our um, build fund, helping us grow towards the goal of what we need um, in this renovation. Also, has given several ideas. Both sides, Uh, pastor. I mean, Bishop Davis more so, like how to be a husband and what I need to do. Pastor Tommy, I ask a lot about um, cultural. you know, and, and just just a different variety of ideas um, as a not a hip hop pastor, but kind of yeah, a hip hop pastor. Um, uh, and so I uh, truly appreciate them, truly love them. I uh, am grateful to be able to interact with them on a regular basis and hear from them. And even if not them, from people on their teams at their churches, uh, because they're so faithful to demonstrate their love as spiritual leaders. Um, I know they pray for us. I know they care about us. Um, And and know that I pray for you and I care about you and I love you as your pastor, as the under shepherd, um, Christ being the shepherd, as the under shepherd that's been entrusted um, with you and those who will come to us. Lord, I love you. Aaron loves you. Um, The ministry team, the lead team, we love you uh, and we're praying for you. And it's our hope and our heart to grow you. Um, And nurture you so that you can become the child of God and the Christian that you've been called to be. Um, So that you have a testimony of God's power always ready at your lips because you are frequently seeking him to change you, upgrade you, reset you, and revive your spirit. Because a life in Christ is transformational. It may not immediately show up in your bank account, but this is bigger than dollar signs. So I, I could go off on like 50 different tangents on that, but just know we appreciate our leaders. I appreciate my leaders and uh, we also appreciate the honor of being your leaders. Um, and so verse the end of verse 13 into verse 14, it says, uh, live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And so in verse 13 and 14, basically, the point is live in peace, live on purpose, live in peace with each other, live on purpose together, live on purpose together. Um, And and to further that idea of living on purpose together, um, verse 14 and 15 together say, we urge you, brothers and sisters. Warn those who are idle. What is idle? Not busy doing the work of the Lord. Not just not doing work, but not doing the work of the Lord. This is a call to Christians. And so warn those who are idle. That's love. Warn those who are idle um, and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened, of course, serving. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. He's saying you each look out for each other. Make sure you're ready to correct each other when somebody suffers a wrong that they do not repay wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And so we're supposed to strive to do what's good for each other in the body of Christ and for everyone else. That's relationship. Hold up each other and be accountable. Hold up each other and be accountable. And so when we think about these relational points and strategies uh, when it comes to our interpersonal relational self, uh, we can take these general principles and get some specific insight from looking at Jesus's life as told through the book of Matthew. So I'm really going all the way back to the book of Matthew and I'm going to go through a few different places and I'm going to try... My best is to stay in my time frame. So y'all know, pray for Holy Spirit to reveal the things to you that I'm not able to say to you face to face right now. Okay, so if we examine Christ's life itself, we can have a better idea, understanding and revelation of how to uphold the values that Paul is teaching about to the Thessalonican church, the Thessalonian church do you want a better understanding do you want to have a more full understanding of how to achieve relational health from a godlike perspective like like God a godlike perspective like my big brother Jesus if you're ready say amen alright so I wanna start with this I I I'm creating two categories but I'm not saying they're exhaustive but Christ came in contact with at least two different types of people and i those are the people that he was connected to and those that were chosen okay people that come into your life either come into your life based on some kind of connection or based on some kind of choice they're chosen amen okay so we all have those types of relationships in our lives we all have people that we're connected to, even just a little bit, That you know, that person I work with, or, yeah, we always in the gym at the same time. We got people that we're connected to, and then we have people that are chosen, and those are the people that we are truly supposed to do life with in the most meaningful way. Uh, and so in Matthew, we see how Jesus kind of dealt with those people, and we see how proper boundaries bless your life. And so I got three types of connected people. And three types of chosen people. Then they all start with D. <laughs> and I'm gonna kind of go through a few areas of the text. I'm gonna be bouncing back and forth through Matthew. So bear with me, okay? Uh, so again, connected people. These are people that you're connected with because y'all are both Christians. Y'all maybe go to the same church. Y'all maybe in the same community. You're in the same neighborhood. Maybe y'all uh, in have some kind of commonality. Y'all are in the same club fraternity, you work at the same place, there's some reason that y'all are coming together and you're connected to these people, they know of you, you know of them, there is something there, some kind of relationship, some kind of connection. And so there's three types of people that um, Jesus came in contact with and I want to start with D, doubters, doubters, doubters questioned Christ's ways. They cre- they question Christ's ways. And so doubters are the people that when you are walking in the will of the Lord, you've got people that know you that aren't super duper close to you that are questioning your why. They're questioning your what. And so if you look in chapter nine, you just got dark. Uh, if you look at Matthew chapter nine. Where are you? Where are you? Matthew chapter nine. I'm about to turn on this light. Y'all forgive me. This is going to be real ghetto. Ah. All right. Matthew chapter nine. Uh, Matthew chapter nine, verse 14. Says John's disciples, like these aren't you know haters, these are you know, these are people like John baptized Jesus, so these people know who he is because John proclaimed who he was. These are John's disciples. They go and they go to Jesus and they question him, um, how's it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And then in verse in chapter 12, there's more questions that he receives, and this time from the Pharisees. If you look at verse 1, at the time at that. Chapter 12, verse 1. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. Question. They're questioning like, uh, why why do y'all do this? Why, Why are you doing it this way? They don't understand. And I'm not going to go into all the answers. Fortunately, what you're able to do is you're able to take that Bible and read. But I want to tell you what your principle is for people that you're connected to that when they see what you're doing, they communicate doubt. If the people if you're following the will of God and you are coming in contact with people that are doubters, that doubt that you are following the will of God and doubt your why and don't understand what you can do is do what Jesus did and allow God to give you the answer either through your words or through the results. And so if I look here at Jesus' answer in chapter 12, he gives a a nice little spiel. But if I go back and look at 9 verses 14, where they said, you know, how is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, then they will fast. And he continues to explain. And so he just explains the the biblical principle, the godly principle behind why they do what they do. And he keeps it moving. He keeps it moving. And so if you got doubters, I'm not talking hate. I mean, maybe you could think of them as haters. I get tired of that term. But what I'm saying is, if there are people in your life um, that when, when they see you moving in faith and walking by faith and not by sight, and they question what you're doing. You give them your faith response. You give them your testimony and then you keep it moving. You keep it moving. Now, if you're not walking by faith, then it's going to be hard to apply this principle. You've got to be walking in supernatural faith because supernatural faith is the thing that, put, that places you walking against the, the trend of the culture. And so you're doing things that don't make sense and thus you will be doubted. Thus you will be questioned. I'm not talking about people that doubt you because you are doing something they don't like and it has nothing to do with God. Like No, and if you're going to have healthy, godly, divine relationships, you got to follow God's principles. And so for those of you that are walking in God's way, walking by faith and not by sight, and you're being doubted, do like Jesus did. Explain the spiritual principle, move on. But it it, it wasn't just doubters. It was also deniers. Jesus dealt with deniers. Deniers rejected his worth. They rejected his worth. If you look in chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, uh, verse 53 through 57, um, you see uh, Jesus had finished these parables he was teaching. He moved on from there coming to his hometown. He began teaching the people in their synagogue and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? They asked. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. And so, what you get from here is. There are people that will know you. They think they know you. They think they know their background because they may know your past. They may have been close to you in your past. And because of that past relationship, because of what did exist, they think they know the limits and cap of what God is going to do in your life. And so they reject the promise. They reject the power. They reject the prophecy that's been laid in your lap, that's been placed on your life. And what they're trying to do is just dismiss you out of hand. And what's it say he did? If you know the text, you know that he just, he didn't, he didn't perform that much in front of them. He couldn't do much because the faith was so low. So he just moved on. They just moved on. He didn't, he didn't waste any time trying to convince them he was different. He just moved on. Next up, deceivers. I gotta speed myself up. Deceivers, okay? Um, deceivers, 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 chapter 12, actually go backwards, chapter 12, verse 22 through 24 deceivers are people that twisted his words or twisted his work. And you see those, if you go later on and you begin seeing like when he's arrested and the lies that they told in the trial and how they worked so hard to get him crucified by using lies and subterfuge. Um, these are people that are. Offended by your confidence, offended by your displays of faith and power, and so they were seeking to discredit him in public. Uh, And so, and clearly it worked because they crucified him. But if you look at verse 22 through 24, um, Yeah, uh, you know, they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So you healing people by the power of the devil. Jesus' response... He knew their thoughts and said, basically, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. He began to teach again. He basically um, stood up to their false logic. And then again, he kept it moving. And so when you're connected to people, because the Pharisees and Jesus had the same faith, they believed in the same God. So there was a connection in some places. the, the when he's dealing with deniers, they're from the same place. Uh, they have the same place of origin. There's a connection. They're connected to these people. But you have to understand how to handle when people question your ways, reject your worth or twist your words and your work. And so uh, those are the connected. There are people in your life that you have allowed to be in your inner circle that are actually doubters. There are people that you have allowed in your inner circle that are actually deniers. There are people that you've allowed in your inner circle that are actually deceivers. And what you have to do in order to walk in who God has truly called you to be and have relational peace is you got to move on from those people. You don't have to create a big display, but you need to speak the peace that God gives you and move on because who you should build your life with are those that are chosen that you have either chosen them or they have chosen you. And Jesus deals with three types of those people. First, he deals with the disciples. In Matthew chapter four, we see Jesus going up to and choosing people um, and they are called by him. They're called by him. And so those are people that are selected. They're chosen for purpose and chosen for relationship. And so if you look at Matthew four, 18 through 22, you see, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, um, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a, a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so these are people that are going to be with you on your journey. And you can call them, and sometimes they can call you. There is a disciplining now. Jesus calling is different than you calling someone. It's different. Um, there are examples of people placing a mantle. Elijah chose Elisha, and Elisha followed him. And so there are those re, uh, relationships where you ha- are chosen by a mentor, uh, chosen to be uh, somebody that follows someone else. Uh, but these, these this can also play out in you choosing to walk with and choosing a friend choosing a close friend that is also walking by faith and not by sight um is also living on purpose and, and there's something powerful here because jesus chose these people intending to make them fishers of men he chose them with a purpose designed in his mind for their function with him and so when it came to the relationship the relationship that would be built is based on the purpose that was being fought, uh, walked out okay Out of these four people that we see selected in Matthew chapter 4, three out of the four, Peter, James, and John would go on to be recorded as three of Jesus's best friends. If you could say he had best friends, you can make a really good argument that Peter, James, and John were Jesus's best friends. All right. And so the next type is a little bit different, a little bit different, because these aren't necessarily people that you are going to um, do life with as much as these are people that you know you're called to relate with by serving. And that's the desperate, the desperate. So the disciples were called by him. The desperate came to him. So we pick right up in chapter four, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people news about him spread all over syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain the demon possessed those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them large crowds from galilee the decapolis jerusalem judea and the region across the jordan followed him so the desperate the desperate the desperate the desperate are people that are chosen to be blessed through you you come in contact with them in your regular day like Jesus was coming in contact with them as he was going you come in contact with them regularly sometimes you come in contact with them strategically Jesus did the same we come in contact with them because we're set up to serve with Arlington Market Pantry we come and come up with them because we've set up to serve it Justina Park we come up with them because we've been set up to serve um, Parkwood Heights Elementary School we come upon them they come upon us in the streets, on the alleyway, uh, holding up a street sign, at a homeless shelter, wherever they may come up to us, Jesus saw their need in relation to him, had compassion, and he helped. In the same way Paul encourages the Thessalonians to help the weak, we have to recognize that there's a purpose in these encounters. But also, you all have to be careful, because some of y'all got really loving hearts, And you want to make a friend out of someone who you were never designed to be friends with, but you were just designed to serve them and move on. Because there is purpose in all of these encounters with people that are desperate for love, for resources, for whatever. But close relationship cannot be based on you meeting the needs of others. Can I get an amen? Close relationship has to be mutual and healthy. It can't be based on desperation. Close friendship cannot be based on you meeting other people's needs. All right. So don't make the mistake. Don't shun them, but don't make the mistake of bait trying to make a real two-way relationship out of something where they need you and what you have to offer. And God has given it to you for you to give. Not the same. Um, it's not equally yoked even if you believe in the same God. Last people, and I'm right at my time limit, and so let me do this quickly. Doers. Disciples, the desperate doers. Doers. Jesus chose doers. We should choose doers. Doers walked with him. Disciples were called by him. The desperate came to him. Doers walked with him. Doers. So Matthew chapter 12, last passage i'm reading okay real quick matthew chapter 12 verses 46 through 50 says while jesus was still talking to the crowd his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him someone told him your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you he replied to him who is my mother and who are my brothers pointing to his disciples he said here are my mother and brothers For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Doers. People that do the word, that do the will of God. Now, these are some people that you can do life with. These are some people that are dedicated to your, to mutual benefit. These are some people that want to see you grow and see you successful and see you faith filled and see God's blessing poured out all over your life. So they're willing to sacrifice and walk, sacrifice and do the will of the Lord and sacrifice to be in fellowship with you. These are the people. Disciples and doers. Disciples and doers are the people that you need in your inner circle. Look at your inner circle. Look at the people that you're closest to. Are they disciples? Are they chosen? Are they functioning on purpose? Are they doers of the will of God? Are they people who are passionate about following the purpose that God has for their lives? Are they passionate about helping you see the same thing fulfilled in your life? Do they care about that? Not do they just care about you being a good family man. Do they care about you being a kingdom man? Not that they just care about you being happy sister. But do they care about you having Jesus joy? Do the people that you bring yourself closest to. Do the people that you let inside your walls lead you closer to Christ? Because if the answer is not yes then you have to install some boundaries so that you give them what they need really what God instructs you to give through his pattern in the word and revelation of Holy Spirit and you move on you serve those that are desperate and then you pray and move on not dismissing them forever but not expecting to build intimate fellowship with them their adoration for you is based on the fact that you met their needs, just like Jesus feeding the 5,000. But when he told them they had to eat his flesh and drink his blood, they left. And he was left with who? The disciples and the doers. Commit yourself. Ask God to forgive you for allowing yourself to be entangled. Free yourself of the guilt and get yourself ready to be free to be blessed in fellowship by the people that God truly has for you. There are some people that God has for you that you've kept at a distance because they so holy, because they so serious about God, and you've been like, it don't take all that. You've been blocking your own blessing because you refuse to walk in the purpose that God called you in. Of course it takes all that. Why wouldn't it take all of you to be who God has called you to be? Why wouldn't it take mornings up praying? Why wouldn't it take reading your Bible every day? Why wouldn't it take that to be everything God has called you to be? We will study. We will put in time and money to get a degree, to get a certification, to be able to improve our own business. But when it comes to relationships, we need to understand that as believers, we've been assigned a purpose. And our relationships should help us walk more closely aligned with that purpose. Do you believe that? And if you believe that, once you believe that, you must also believe that God would not call you to walk with Him without giving you people you may walk intimately in life with. Best friends, close circle, a Peter, James, and a John, your husband, your wife, your mentors, your mentees, God has given you the tools, the understanding, and Jesus has walked out the pattern of how to set up proper relational boundaries so that the way that you do relationships is something that is right and righteous towards you and not just from you. Let's give God some praise for that. And I'm a few minutes over, so let's go ahead and pray. Lord, God, I want to thank you and praise you for this opportunity we have to come together. Lord, I see a time when we are coming together physically, where we're doing life together physically, where we are growing in community physically, because we are walking together in unified purpose, understanding that the glory of God is designed to flow through his people. The message of the kingdom of God is designed to flow through us as a people, that we are to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow you. That we're to help each other, admonish each other, encourage each other, correct each other, each other. Love each other because we're all on the same foundation of belief in you. And for those that are not on the same foundation as us, Lord, we pray for them. We pray for their Salvation. We pray for their communion with you. We pray for their communion with us. And in the meantime, while you're working out their soul salvation, Lord, we'll continue to pray for them. We'll continue to serve as you instruct us to. We'll continue to testify of your goodness. But Lord, we pray that you would give us people that we may walk in agreement with. So that we can be confident in our relational spiritual health. In Jesus name, we bless you and pray. Amen.